Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. All right, so this this message... Actually, throughout the last three or four, I, I recognized it was really an extension of the me- of the few messages right before that. So this whole thing is really kind of called the witness within. And so what we've been talking about is the idea of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. And it's it's just such a unique thing within Christianity. No other, re- you know... I mean, obviously, we know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There, he is the way. There's one true God, and Christ is the expression of Him in this earth, and our Savior, and our Lord, and our elder brother, and our and He's given us His Spirit, and that is the agent of salvation to cleanse us and live within us. But, but the idea of God joining Himself to you in the type of relationship that's really more like a marriage than anything is incredibly unique, and it's so intimate. And I'm telling you, cultural Christianity is so legalistic. It's so rule-oriented. It's so right and wrong. And I'm not suggesting we don't pay attention to right and wrong. We're not one of those churches that says, forget the law or any of that kind of stuff. We just try to frame every aspect of Scripture, life, faith, everything that we think through who Jesus revealed God to be. If you want to know who God is, know Jesus. And then through knowing Jesus, then you dig into Scripture, the relationship, all the rituals, all the ceremonies, church, everything. Jesus and His finished work should define and affect everything. So, in other words, why do you go to church? Why do you give? Why do you minister? Well, it's not to keep God happy, to keep Him from rejecting you, because Christ has sealed you with His Spirit, and you've been given His righteousness. You've been made righteous. You are His child. You are forever accepted in His covenant between the Father and the Son, and you are in Christ, so you're in it. So there's a lot a lot that happens within Christianity that's already taken care of in Jesus. You know, and a lot of people, once they kind of start to actually discover the gospel and the good news and the fact that Jesus, it is finished and that God will, let me just tell you this. This might be the first time some of y'all heard this. God will never, if you're in Christ, God will never judge you for your sin. I mean, I should get at least one amen on that. God will never, ever, ever behave towards you filtered through His anger and wrath toward your sin. Yeah, if you're in Christ. Are you with me? That means you get a flat tire on the way to work. God's not allowing that to happen to punish you, to teach you a lesson because you've been in too much sin that week. God's not allowing your your pet to run away so that you'll learn patience. God's not allowing 
disease in your lineage, in your parents, because they're cursed because their grandfather was a mason. He's not visiting judgment on you because of your grandfather's whatever. I mean, like we know that, but then we live our lives and it doesn't filter down into how we relate to God in specific moments. If you're really bad at handling money and you're in debt all the time and you just think that it's God's defined for you to struggle with money your entire life because you just continue to drink a little bit too much or look at that a little bit too much or you're a little too quick to anger, so therefore, you know, God just keeps you in check. He never really lets you succeed. He kind of just keeps you down a little bit financially. You're always going to be a little bit under the... because you know, just You may as well be Buddhist in terms of the karmic cycle, your efforts producing an effect in your life. Now, there is sowing and reaping. There is absolutely sowing and reaping. You continue to sin. What you're doing is you are sowing the seeds of death. Sin will kill you. Absolutely. But God is not going to judge you for it. Now, does that mean you should continue in sin? Let me tell you this. Let me ask you this. If I were to look at you and tell you exactly what I just said, you don't ever have to worry about God judging you or punishing you for your sin. Does that make you want to go sin? Some of you are like, maybe. <laughs> and you guys know, we cover these things all the time, but I, 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 I want to say these things clearly, regularly, because it's, that stuff filters in. It filters in, and you forget. But I want to say it so bluntly and directly because there's a world out there that doesn't know this. It's shocking. Some of the most unreligious, unchurched people have the most legalistic view of God. Legalistic meaning he's keeping track of everything that you've done wrong, and he's doing things to you because of those wrong things. You can't find anywhere in Scripture in the New Covenant, that God is responding in that way with judgment and difficulty and challenge to your sin and your errors and your failures. What He does is He encourages you, He builds you up. Now, you might pay the price in this life because you're going to reap death back into your own life, sowing and reaping, but He's for you. He's not against you. And if you hear, well, that just you're just giving people a license to sin. I got two words, grow up. Honestly, if you really think that that's what somebody's saying when they try to preach our, the completion of the uh, salvation by grace through faith in Christ, you, really? That's what you hear? That's weird. Why would you hear that? I know none of y'all hear it that way, but like I said either last week or a couple weeks ago, I, when, when we gather here, I feel like I'm talking to a family, and a body that's on mission to come in, touch base, unite arms, worship together, fellowship together, always be sewn into to be reminded of who you are, learn a little bit in terms of Scripture, to get to know Scripture, to get to know God more, to then go out there. Like if this is the pinnacle of your time with God throughout the week, lean in a little bit more. 
I don't mean do more. It might externally look like doing more, but it's a heart thing. It's a matter of the heart. If you hear more scripture in church than you do throughout your week, just lean in a little bit more. You know, lean in a little. Even, even if it's uh, listening to a Bible app. I mentioned it. Actually, somebody, I just kind of mentioned it in a message not that long ago, the Dwell app. And uh, somebody sent me an email saying how much it's really helping them. It, it is a paid app. We don't, I don't get anything from it. I just believe in the app. It's a good app. But just get the word in there. Get the word in there because you're going to need. If you, if you believe that we're in the type of relationship with God now where His Holy Spirit is active and alive and the gifts are for today and He's speaking to you and He's leading you and guiding you, but you're, you're depending more on your ability to discern messages from Him than you are more than you are on your understanding of the Word and Him illuminating the Word, I don't know how you can be consistent. Let me say that again. If you, you should know the Word more than you depend on God speaking directly to you. Amen. What you want to do is get the Word in there so that when He does impress you and speak to you and illuminate things, it's, it's breathing on the Word. It's the Word that you've sown in your heart coming to life because He is the Word. Hearing from God, to me is the Word coming alive in your heart in the moment. Like for me, now so today, today's a little bit different. I'm to, I want to talk about decision-making from this perspective of God living on the inside of you. And those of us that do believe that the Holy Spirit's active, that He is speaking, we can get a little weird sometimes. Can't we? I mean, what was Bob doing? <laughs> It's perfectly normal. And I only say it that way because I want to make a point. For some people, it's like, well, that was weird. What was that all about? Let me just tell you what that was about. We did not talk about what today's service was going to be about. So I'm sure you felt impressed to come up and get that. If you're unfamiliar with that type of thing, he prayed in an unknown tongue. He prayed with his spirit. God probably impressed him to do that. And then I look at Callie, which she probably would have already done that. Where is she? There you are. I want to encourage you because I looked at her and I said, all right, now you go interpret that because we believe that the gift of tongues is active in the body. And, and you know, if you did your homework, you would have seen in 1 Corinthians 4, 12, 13, 14, specifically 14, if somebody has a tongue in church, there should be an interpretation so that it edifies the body. Well, let me just tell you, Callie nailed the interpretation. And she nailed the interpretation in the prayer that she gave, but you preached my sermon today. I don't, I mean, you, you don't know that, but you, so you said, open your heart, make space for him. There are a couple of key things that you said. So I, I'm going to give you, I'm going to encourage you, go back after you listen to this message, go back and then listen to the prayer from, from her from this morning. And, and you'll get more out of the message going back and listening to her because that's that living, inspired, in the moment uh, word of confirming the word that I've been inspired to teach. And that's what it looks like, right? So if you think that was weird, Bob, getting up here, then you know what? Get used to weird. <laughs> I mean, we don't want to do weird for the sake of being weird, but I'm just telling you. 
George? So when he did that, I go, all right, Lord, what's the interpretation? Right. Yeah. Come on, what do you got? Right. And I go, holy, you're holy. Yeah. And my righteousness fills the universe. Mm. And so you just shared that, and my wife just gave me a, what she wrote down, I didn't go this second, she said, it's, the Lord saith, you are holy, you are righteous. Mm. Oh. Right. Amen. Did you? Who, who's weird now? My presence fills this room. My presence fills your heart. Like, open your heart to me and ask me for my power, like, to move and ask for miracles. It's, like, really similar. He had his hand up. You go first, then you. I mean, they're all saying the same thing. And that I have come to bring life and the banished ones come to me. Mm. The banished ones come to me. I've come to bring life and the banished ones come to me. Praise God. I love it. Amen. Are you encouraged? You want to see more of that? You know, here's the thing. We can do that in our lives. And that's what I want to talk about. I mean, honestly, you're, it's... It's pretty amazing how God <laughs> moves. And, and, and I'm telling you, how many of you felt like after Bob, either during the worship or during Bob's tongue or whatever, something similar? Raise your hand if you felt impressed, something similar. Yeah, a lot of people. If you didn't, that's okay. It's not, you know, it's, that's the way the body works. He's moving. He's, pick, he's moving in you in this area. He's moving in you in this, moving in. And then the fabric of the body is amazing. That's what the world needs to see. Not church done a particular way, but you confident in hearing God and speaking. Because you hear God better than you think that you do. Because God speaks clearly. And let me just say this, to piggyback on all that's being said here, he, he, your perspective of your identity will filter how you hear and what you hear. So when you approach God, you must be firmly planted and rooted in knowing that you're righteous, and you're in right standing before the Father, you're accepted in Him, it's a done deal, He sealed you with His Spirit, He's made you His child, He's actually betrothed Himself to you. You are united to Him. He has entwined His Spirit in you. We've been given marriage between a man and a woman as one facet of the expression of the type of union and relationship that we have with God, and that is the two become one. You have become one with God. God is not looking for a reason to reject you. He's not looking for a reason to judge you. He's not all that fired up about your failures, and He wants you to stay out of sin, but that's not the context in which He's relating to you. 
the relationship in which he's relating to you is a marriage, betrothed to you, joined to you. In fact, he's looking at your life standing beside you, wrapped his arm around you, joined together, looking at it together. You're not looking at your life or your circumstances and he's on the other side or somewhere out there and you're trying to get him, get him to come in and invade the thing. He's right there together with you to walk through it with you. Amen? I mean, I'm telling you, God is for you. And the world is looking. The world is looking for truth. And we have it right in the middle, right on the inside of us. The author of truth, the pillar of truth, the rock of truth lives on the inside of you. The spirit of the living God is in you. I mean, wow. Right? Now, what if Bob wouldn't have got up and done that? She still probably would have prayed the same thing. George, I appreciate you raising your hand. Man, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm encouraged. It's awesome. Praise God. So let's read some passages, and I'll kind of give you an idea. I mean, what I'm, what I'm wanting, what honestly, what I wanted to leave you with today was a confidence that you can hear God. So I want to look at some passages about Jesus describing the Holy Spirit, and then I'm going to do something I don't normally do. I just kind of want to give a little bit of my process which is a little bit subjective. I don't typically like to do that. I like to just stick to Scripture, make some suggestions, and then you engage yourself because I think it's dangerous when we try to do what other people do. But I think I can keep it general enough where it might help you a little bit. So let's just read some Scripture together. Um, let me go over here so I can... We're going to start in John... Actually, Romans 8, 6... And this is kind of the passage that we've been hovering around for a while. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And then it goes on to say, um, we are heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. And if I can't remember exactly how it says it. My mind's somewhere else right now. But he affirms three different facets that you're joined to God, you're an heir of God, and you're a joint heir with Christ. Amen? So, but... If you so here's the context. I want to be able to how many of you want to be able to hear God? Yeah. And it's what we're talking about. These are the stages. Start with letting him affirm to you that you're his child. It might sound like you're holy, you're righteous, you big dummy. That's like a term of affection. If God calls me a dummy, it reminds me of Sanford and Son, which I love that show. And it's a term of endearment, and it strips down all the pretense. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah. <clears throat> Jump, just get out of yourself. You know what I mean? Like whatever it might be, something for you. Now, if God starts calling you a big dummy, you know, then you're welcome. I guess I don't know. Um, but so, so starting with knowing that you're a child, His Spirit is alive and active. His Spirit is actively affirming to you that you are His child. You know, think about it. When you correct your child, those of you that have parents, when you correct your child when they make mistakes, what do you do? You affirm to them that you love them, you care for them, you're always going to be there for them, right? You know, you sandwich it, positive, negative, positive. Like you start, listen, I just want you to know I love you. I'm about to whip your butt, but I love you, you know. Sydney's here. She's like, you never said that. <laughs> I think I broke my finger trying to spank her one time. I hit the wall. 
<laughs> it's true. I missed. Whack! She was running from me. <laughs> uh, yeah, God's not looking to spank him. Uh, and then, so let's look at Jesus, right? Jesus gives us a clear picture. This is in John 14, starting in 16. I'm just in the New King James and all of these today. Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. I just want you to pay attention to the environment, the relationship that he describes once the Holy Spirit comes. He says, and I'll pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Say helper. That he may abide with you as long as you're not sinning. Abide with you. A helper forever. I mean, even if you just know that. Like, like, so... This is, and this is what I mean by your thoughts and beliefs about God must be shaped by Jesus. This is Jesus describing God to you. This is how you should think about God in your life. Now, you guys know this stuff, but your friends don't. Your family, member, family members don't. And sometimes just showing them the most simple and basic point changes the way that they see God, and then will open their heart to Him. And if they'll open their heart to Him, they'll let Him transform them. Are you with me? Helper forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him. Say, I know Him. For He dwells with you and will be in you. Uh, and then skip a little bit. I'm going to give, I'll give you another homework assignment. Go and read John 14, 15, 16, 17 this week. Read it slowly. Take your time. Pay attention to how he talks about the Holy Spirit. Let me give you a little bit of a, a caveat in here because when you get to the part about that you only that you are to abide in him and that you only bear fruit when you abide in him, and it says if you don't bear fruit, he'll cut away and you'll be burned in the fire, just know that that phrase cut away means propped up lift it up. And it, that's not like fancy exegesis or anything. It's not like trying to, I'm not saying that the Bible is wrong, but maybe the boys that translated King James might have put in the wrong aspect of that word. <laughs> are you with me? Are you saying that the Bible's wrong? No, I'm not saying the Bible's wrong. I'm just saying it wasn't written in King James English. And sometimes the words are transliterated. Sometimes the words are translated, and they're not translated with the full scope of the meaning of that perspective. That's why other translations are great to consult, but specifically original language. Go look at the original language. Words have different usages. Uh, like if I say, well, that's cool. Like, do, do, do I like it, or is it cold? There's a different application. Same thing with different phrases in different languages. If you read the rest of what he's talking about, if you do your homework, you read the rest of it, you're going to see that, well, gosh, it sounds like if I don't do right, he's going to cut me off and throw me in the fire. But it's out of context with everything else that he's explaining in that moment right there. It's like a gardener. How many of you garden? You take care of plants. You know, you, you got one that's kind of not bearing fruit. It's not, it's maybe it's drooping or something like that. What do you do? You clip it and you prop it up. 
you prop it up, especially with the tomato plants. You prop those things up so that they grow and they thrive, right? So that they're not growing down, they're growing up toward the sun. That's the picture. That's just a side note because you're going to run across that and you're going to see it. And you might not have heard that before. I've got a whole teaching on that and we'll, we'll look it up and make sure that that gets in our, our email this week. So again, talking about the Holy Spirit, hearing God, Jesus still speaking. These things I've spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name or in my authority, He will teach you all things. That's number three, teach. Help you, be with you forever. Really, number four. That, that's kind of what I want you to do in your homework is like create a sketch of who the Holy Spirit is and what I can expect Him to be and do in my life, right? He's teaching. He's teaching you all things and bringing to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. Now, how are you going to remember the things that Jesus said? I know it's like a dummy question, but how, how are you going to remember anything that anybody said to you? You heard him say it one time before at least. The point being, if you don't know the Word, how can the Holy Spirit remind you of what's in the Word? you got to know the Word. I mean, I'm just telling you, the more, the more I teach, the more I sit with people, the more I help people engage the issues in their life, the more I, 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 I know that I can't do anything. And even God can't do anything unless that person is willing to engage the Word with the intention of putting it into practice. But you got to go to the Word. It's the source of life. Amen? So... He'll remind you. And then he says, peace. I love how it comes to this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You want to hear God? Boy, you better, you better be really good at that. Don't let your heart be troubled. Oh God, help me. Okay, you want some help? Calm down. Get a hold of yourself here. Don't let your heart be troubled because I can't do nothing for you. You're freaking out. I know I need some help. Okay, well, calm down. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And then watch this. I'm going to skip to John 15. This is Jesus. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master... You ever feel like, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? I've heard ministers, and I'm not trying to bash ministers, but it's kind of like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? This happened, what are you doing? This happened, what are you doing? Like, like you're trying to interpret God's will through circumstances. Dummy might be an appropriate word in that moment. Unless I'm just telling you, if you're trying to understand what God's doing in your life based on the circumstance that just happened, that's like the least effective way to try to know what God's will is for your life. If you're looking at circumstances in this broken world, and then associating that with, okay, God's doing that to for the... Now, that happened. Why did that happen? What, are you a Buddhist? I mean, really. It, it's just how, it's, it's how people think. Most Christians think this way. And, and it, it's, it's, it, it's, it's unproductive. You know, how, so how should we think? We look at a circumstance. It might be the result of sin in your life, a bad decision, ignoring God, not applying wisdom. It might be something that you're reaping because of something that you've done. Um, 
And I'm, I'm, the next series that I'm going into, at the moment, I'm calling it Thought Life. And we're going to do a deep dive into thought life. We're going to start looking deeply into what Scripture says about thoughts and thinking. And then I want to mix some scientific stuff in there about the power of thought, the type of relationship that we as human beings are in with this quantum realm type stuff. I love all that stuff. We're going to talk about it from a biblical perspective, but just use some modern day parables to get some more insight and understanding. But uh, let me keep going here because I love, I'm going to start preaching that ahead of time. So for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but that means you should know what he's doing. You can know what God's doing in your life. You can know what God's will is for your life. He'll speak to you. He'll talk to you. But I have called you friends. Say, I'm a friend of God. God. Jesus is my friend. Wait, I should have had that clip ready. Jesus is my friend. You guys seen that? (laughs) If you haven't seen that, you got to look at it. It's like internet gold. John 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of, it's interesting, you know, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, He will guide you into all truth. That's another facet. Part of your homework, bullet point out all the things that you can expect the Holy Spirit to do. Just create a list. There's everything that the Holy Spirit can do and will do and I should expect Him to do. And then we'll talk about how to hear for just a minute. Um, Guide you into all truth. He'll not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak and He will tell you things to come. Then he goes, and so if you've missed some of these messages, you, I really elaborate on that idea of prophecy. And prophecy, we did a whole bullet pointed sketch of what prophecy is now, testifies of Jesus, that it, it, it uh, has to do with kingdom, it will affirm salvation, couches everything in the finished work. You can go back and listen to that. And uh, so, John 16, 14, he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And you got to know that what's His is yours. So what the Holy Spirit will do, one of the major things the Holy Spirit will do, will help you know what is yours in Christ. Because He's going to take of what is Christ's and make it known to you what is Christ's is yours. So He's going to make known to you what is yours in Christ. Amen? Uh, Promises. And and the last one, all things the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. It's like, it's like he's making the point. He's like, he's going to take of what is mine, make it known to you. By the way, everything's mine. What's he saying? Anything you need, I have. There's nothing. However you heard it, there's nothing. There's nothing that Jesus has that he's not willing to give to you. And what does he have? Everything. I'm not talking about Bugattis and golden driveways and 50,000 square foot mansions. Well, that'd be a big one, right? But you know what I'm saying? I'm talking about righteousness, peace, joy. But yes, absolutely provision. Absolutely provision. We were looking at a piece of property. It's about a million bucks. Man, I'd love to just go buy it and move on and then build a building on top of it, you know? By the way, if uh, some of you are waiting to give like, really big amounts because you're waiting for some type of building or something like that, just go ahead and give and it'll give us a, put us in a position to go buy something, just so you know. <laughs> I, I, I don't try to mysticize giving or try to smooze you with emotional deliveries of talking about money. I want you to know what it says scripturally, but we need some money. 
Go reach some people. Amen? That sounded real rednecky, but you get the point. Uh, so let me just, I'll just walk you through my process here. Now, th this is actually something that we would do more so in Equip. Equip is uh, always the first Wednesday of the month. So we got coming up, not this week, but the next week, and we're, we're going to do this together. But let me just kind of walk you through this process. And, and really, I would describe this in terms of hearing God, but specifically in decision-making. You know, and, and, the, and if, you've, if you've been in a kind of a hyper-charismatic culture or a prophetic culture where kind of everything is about the gifts or specifically even this one gift, then, then it's almost you, you get frustrated and, and you get to the point where it's like, ah, it's so inconsistent that I just, I'm just not even interested anymore. But, but there's a good, healthy balance where I think we can have a thriving expression of the gifts deeply rooted in the Word so that there's a good, healthy balance so that the gifts illuminate what's in the Word. And, and our interaction or what God says or what we hear from God is deeply rooted in the Word and, in fact, is a fruit of the Word in your heart. So, in other words, God's speaking to you. For me, this is for me, I'm not looking for information detached from the application of wisdom. So, for me, decision-making is kind of more like this. If I'm needing God's wisdom or I need Him to speak to me on it, I'm going to affirm that I'm His child. His spirit, his spirit is bearing witness with my spirit. I'm going to fill my mind and my heart with who he is in terms of whatever it is that I'm seeking guidance on. So if I Now, some people are like, well, I need to make a decision. I'm going to go get alone with God, and I'm going to get a word. And if that works for you, do that. Unfortunately, some people also are like, I'm not going to spend any time in Scripture. I'm going to go pray. Well, that didn't work. God, send me somebody to give me a word. Somebody comes and gives you a word, but it, it's not birthed out of your heart. It's not birthed out of you pursuing Him and entwining yourself around Him and His wisdom related to that area. It's just some kind of detached piece of information. I, I just don't know how you can anchor your life into something like that. But personally for me, I'm talking about for me at this moment. Probably for you as well. I'm not knocking decision-making predominantly driven by words. I'm just saying I need something more consistent. For me, it's more about the wellspring of wisdom from the Word informing the decision, and then something is illuminated specifically that's in God's character. It's consistent with who He is. It's consistent with the promises. It's consistent with the direction and the course of the vision of whatever it is. And so I may never hear a specific do that, go there, buy that, don't buy that, say this, don't say... I may never hear a specific, but the answer for me is the fruit of wisdom, which is the application of knowledge. And so it's more of like everything is a yes until he says no. Like if I have peace about the thing that I'm leaning into because it's consistent with what Jesus paid for, whether it be the expectation of a promise or His provision or guidance or whatever. He already said the Holy Spirit's going to guide us. So that's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting to hear God tell me what to do. 
but it looks more like on the outside, if you were to try to analyze the process, it looks more like I'm taking the word, I'm putting it in there, I'm thinking about it, I'm meditating on it, and a specific aspect of it illuminates to me that's the direction that I'm going because it's consistent with who he is, who I am in him, what he wants for me, the vision of whatever it is that I'm doing. And then if I start to move that direction because there's a confidence because of the wisdom and I get a check or I get a no, that's kind of more how it works for me. Not, I'm sitting here in the dark, tell me what to do. It's He says this and then that's what I do. If it works that way for you, man, knock yourself out. But it's that's less of how it works for me, right? Like I'm not looking for specifics from God. I just want Him to keep me in check. Because what I feel like is, because we're so one with Him, and because we hear God, like I'm, I'm telling you, you hear God better than you think that you do. In fact, a lot of the decisions that you make are actually things that God has inspired you to do. You just have thought of it as your own thinking or your own thought. But you move in that way. Like I bet if you could step back and look at the decisions that you've made and determine which ones are solely you and influenced by Him, there's way more decisions that you've made influenced by Him than you recognize. Because you're one with Him. You're flowing with Him. That's why it's important to keep sin out of your life. Because sin hardens your heart. It desensitizes you to the confidence of who you are in Him. It, 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 it shades um, what you think you can have in Him. Sin robs your confidence. Sin, sin causes you to doubt. And, and sin... Sin puts you on guard toward God. You know, like think of Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve, the original sin, what did they do? They, they separated. They put fig leaves on. They created a separate. They hid from God. That's what sin does. When you, when you stay trapped in sin, you hide from God. You hide in your heart from Him. You're not transparent. You're not, you're not open to Him. You're not completely vulnerable to Him. Sin is... It's killing you. It's producing death in your life, and that's bad enough. But even worse than that, it's desensitizing your capacity to be led by Him. And that's what the world needs to see. The world needs to see confident believers flowing with Him. Amen? So if you get a word, a knowledge, word of wisdom, a prophecy, or anything like that, it confirms that which God is echoing in your heart. Are you with me? Now, you might get a word that you've never thought of and it is meaningful to you in your life. I'm not trying to rule that out. I'm just talking about a consistent, realistic, daily life with God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, being informed by Him, Him guiding you, teaching you, reminding you what Jesus said, being your helper forever, showing you things to come. Bob told me a story this morning. He was down in Florida working. His car started acting up. Acting up. It's time for him to drive home, and um, he prayed, "God, what do I do?" Said he got an image of himself that evening pulling into his driveway with the sun coming down, and so he starts driving. What happens? His car breaks down three times. Did he hear God? Later on that evening, he pulls into his driveway exactly like he saw it in his heart, right in the vision. So you know that that you may hear that. So, so for me, this is, what, this is one of the things that I do. When I'm seeking wisdom from God, information from God, direction from God, yes or no on a decision, I'm not looking for specifics 
but I know it will turn into that. So what I do is I get alone, I take some time. Even if it's I'm in the middle of traffic and I'm on alert, but inwardly I can do this process. It doesn't have to be where I'm laying, you know, you're meditating, whatever you think meditation is. Meditation is just when you're focused, you're in focused thought. I mean, we meditate all the time and call it worry. You're good at meditating. We're going to talk about that coming up in our Thought Life series. But, but, uh, but, but I want to meditate or just focus thought, and, and I'm, I'm bringing it in. I'm bringing in, I'm recalling all the things that I know. This is who God is. This is who I am. This is what I know that the Word says. This is what I know is consistent with the vision. This is what I know is consistent with where we're going. And then I pause, and I get quiet, and then things will arise up. Now, sometimes doubt will arise. You got to deal with it. You, you got to deal with. You got to tell that doubt. No, that is not consistent with what Jesus paid for. No, that is not consistent with what is Jesus's, who the Holy Spirit is making known to me. That is not consistent with where I want to go. You got to deal with your doubt. You got to speak to your doubt. And what you're doing is you're speaking to your heart. You're speaking to your own mind. You're not a, you, don't, you don't let yourself just be a victim of every thought that rolls through your head. I mean, people don't, people don't know that. I mean, uh, my goodness. A lot of people's thought life is like a ship on a torrential sea. And you think you have no control over it. I'm just telling you, you do. You do. But on the flip side of it, when you're at peace... And maybe a scripture arises, and it's consistent. Or maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe a word comes in that you've heard before that somebody gave you. Maybe right then somebody texts you. That kind of stuff can happen. Or maybe right then it's just a deep sense of peace, and you just know there's a confidence. Yeah, this is where we're going. This is where we're going. And peace will guide you. But it's not just peace. Like a lot of people say, uh, you know, if there's no peace, then don't make the decision. If there's a peace, then that's a green light. Well, you, you might just have peace about being stupid. I don't know, you know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, it should also be informed with who Christ is in you, who you are in Him, the promise, the vision, whatever it might be. And, and, and again, we're gonna, I'm going to outline this a little bit more and equip, and we'll, we'll email this stuff out because I know not everybody can come to that. But in that moment... You might get an image that pops up. You might think of somebody that you call and which starts a domino chain of events, right? Uh, you might remember something from your past that you did back then, and it's like, oh, I didn't think about that. That actually informs this decision that I need to move in this moment right here. And oftentimes, most times, uh, it feels like my own thoughts, but if it's consistent with Scripture, it's consistent with what Jesus paid for, it's consistent with the vision, it's, it's wise, it's fruitful, I take it as a green light, even if it's not a specific. I don't need the specific. It's like, no, this, this is where we're going. I just, you know, which then develops a confidence because you've built a new track record of just living with God. You get to a point where you're not second-guessing every decision that you make. How nice would that be? And I'm not saying that every single decision you make is God is what God would tell you to do. 
You know what I mean? We don't want to fall into that type of naivety. But there is that, there is that congruency. There is that consistency. There is that union with him. There is that following him from the heart where there's, it's, you're, not, you're not looking for information from him. You're not looking for something out of the ordinary of how you would normally make your decisions in this moment. And, but he will inform it. And I'm just telling you, nobody really can teach you how to do it. I'm describing my process, right? I, 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 for you, you got to figure out what works for you. You know, I would not recommend taking the Bible and closing your eyes and flipping it open and doing that. <laughs> but you've probably done that before and it was meaningful. So, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not ruling that out, but that's probably not the first option. Are you with me? I Man, we are, we are capable of so, we are capable of a much more mature, life-giving relationship with God than we've allowed ourselves to have. We've been taught that God's mad at us. We've been taught that uh, you're still a sinner. There's nothing good in you. It's only by the grace of God that you are even still breathing in the moment. You know that was true before, not now. Now you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Now you're. Let me just say, you ready? Now, in spirit, you're as holy as Jesus is. Christian life in these temporary bodies is to renew our minds so that we live out of that power, right? That's the process. You're still renewing your mind to outwardly reflect the inner truth of who you are. And the more you can understand that about yourself, the more that you have the confidence that, you know, you kind of have to reframe how you think about it. What, what kind of being does God make after cleansing that human, putting his spirit in it, giving that being a new heart. Just think about it for a minute. If God's, if God's building humans, and what he does is he takes a human that's fallen dead in sin, and he takes the old heart out, he cleanses it with the blood of Christ, he puts a new heart in there, and then he moves on the inside of it in the context of a marriage. What kind of being is that? That's you. It's pretty powerful what we are. And, and, and that's the journey is to wrestle everything on the inside of that inside of you that contradicts that truth into alignment with what he's done. Amen. So and we'll practice it together, you know. We'll just kind of get together, make even like what we did here. It, it's that was great. Everybody kind of pitched in and had something. We'll we'll just practice, you know, because I just I want to I want to I want confidence to grow. Riley, did that develop some confidence in you this morning? It's like, oh wow, because because it's like, oh, that's what I heard, and it's exciting, right? Now we don't want to just caught, get caught in the phenomenon, but we want we want confidence. You hear God better than you think that you do. And it's not because it's not about you. It's because of the kind of being that you are. 
and what the Holy Spirit's doing. Don't make it about you. Make it about Him. You're just the product. You're His workmanship, a masterpiece. Amen? Let's stand up and put our attention on Him. Thank you, Father. We thank you. Thank you so much for your guidance. We thank you that you're our helper. You're our comforter. You're showing me things to come. I can expect you to show me things to come. You're with me forever. You're my teacher. You're leading and guiding me into truth because you are the spirit of truth. Now, now make this decision for just a moment. I commit to put into practice whatever you show me. I commit to put into practice whatever it is that arises from your word. I will deal with my doubt. I will make corresponding decisions outwardly. I will turn away from sin. Anything that I recognize that is causing me to be desensitized to you, I'll put it out of my life. I'll turn away from it to fully align myself with you, to abide in you, to bear your fruit, walk in your grace. I'm a channel. I'm a vessel of your spirit. We've been sent into this earth to go into the world and tell people God is no longer holding your trespasses against you. Be reconciled to God. Walking in the ministry of reconciliation. Say this with me as we leave. I hear God better than I think. You just do. It's true. Amen.